Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. So in our first reading and in our gospel today, we have um, two widows uh, that we encounter. And in both instances, both of them possess very little in terms of material wealth and material things, and both of them give all of what they have. And both of them are praised for their actions. The widow in, in, in our first reading, um, she is about to die of starvation because of a famine, and all she has left is a little flour and a little oil. And the prophet Elijah requests all of what she has, um, and she, she gives it. <laughs> she, she uses the little that she has left to make some food for, for the prophet, and then the Lord rewards this gesture of, of total self-giving by supplying for her needs for an extra year. Uh, miraculously, the flour in her jar and the oil in her jug don't run dry. And then in the gospel, similarly, our Lord sits down in the temple and he's observing people putting money into the treasury. And this, this widow comes up and puts in a, a very small amount of money, very small amount. Um, and he praises her above all the rest because she's giving not from her excess, but from her necessity, similar to the widow in the first reading. And one of the things that we're meant to learn from these stories is that when it comes to the Christian life, God demands everything that we have, right? The Christian life is, it's an all or nothing way of life. We talked about this last week when, when the gospel quoted what, we, what is known as the Shema from the Old Testament. You will love the Lord your God with, with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength not with 80% or 90% or 99%. And we see this same truth played out today. If we are to follow Jesus Christ, we have to be willing to give Him everything, every single part of our life, 100%. This is, this is the only way to live the Christian life. Now we're gonna fail, of course, <laughs> but we have to be willing to make that our goal, to, to give the Lord everything. We're, we're either all in or we're all out. The perennial difficulty with living in this way, though, is that we're all, we're all sort of crippled by various levels of fear. We're all afraid to some degree that if I really give God everything, that I'll, I'll, I'll be shortchanged or I'll end up empty in some way. That He won't kind of come through in repaying this total gift of myself. We all have a seed of fear in us that if I really give God everything, I won't be, I won't be happy. This, of course, is the primordial sin that we encounter in, in the garden. Adam and Eve begin to doubt that if they really obey God to the full, that, that he'll, he'll give them everything that they need. They begin to doubt his, his goodness. And the same is true of us. And I just want to highlight sort of three places and we obviously need to examine every aspect of our life and to ask the question, am I giving Christ everything in this part of my life? But I just want to hold out for you today three areas um, and offer some ideas and, and ways to examine whether or not 
we're actually giving the Lord everything in these areas. The first one is, is the area that we see in these two stories of, of, of the widows, which is our material resources. To ask the question, am I giving God everything, right, when it comes to my material resources? And the only way that we can answer this question properly is if we understand the difference between something, materially speaking, that is necessary and something that is superfluous. This is a very important distinction. When it comes to our material resources and material wealth, what we're taught is that we need to, to, to take care of our necessities and the necessities of people who are dependent upon us and to save a little bit prudently for the future. But beyond that, the rest of our material resources need to be used for other people, for works of charity, for building up the kingdom of God, for different things that are going to sanctify the world, right? The, the, the rest beyond what I need for my necessities and those who are dependent upon me and saving a little for the future, everything else doesn't belong to me. I preached about this some months ago. This is what the church calls the universal destination of goods. Now the tricky part comes in here when we have to define what, what is necessary. Well, the best way to look at this is to say anything material resource-wise that is considered a true necessity is something that is going to help me in some way and those dependent upon me to achieve my ultimate end, which is union with God, to become a saint. So anything that is required for that goal is deemed a necessity. Anything beyond that is, is, is superfluous. Um, and so the things that are necessary for us to become a saint, to achieve union with God, they can fall into different categories. Obviously we have legitimate material needs. We need to, you know, we need to eat, drink, sleep. We need shelter, we need clothing. We need those things in order to, to become a saint. We also have spiritual needs. So to spend some of my material resources on things that will help me spiritually to buy some spiritual books, to have a little home library with some spiritual reading for myself and spouse and children, right? To, to maybe spend a little money on a retreat every once in a while. Like we have spiritual needs in order to become a saint. And so using our material resources for those things, that would be a necessity. Another thing would be just what you might call human necessities, which are things like education things that are sort of good for their own sake. So these are, these are areas where we can take a look at our material resources and say, okay, the Lord wants me to use these for these necessary things, but beyond that, I need to second guess um, where I'm, I'm spending, spending my resources. And from time to time, the Lord will also ask us to even give from our, from our need to help somebody else who has even less than we do. This is, this is what we see in the widows today. They didn't give from excess, they gave even from their needs. So we need to be open to the fact that from time to time, the Lord may also demand that of us to even give uh, from, our, from our need, right? To give from our need. So what is the fear associated with this aspect of giving God everything? Well, I think, at its core, a lot of us are afraid that if I really lived in this radical way regarding my material resources, if I, if I really just use them for what I need and those who are dependent upon me and to save a bit for the future, if I really just used my material resources for that and the rest was used for other things, right, 
that, that I would be at risk of becoming destitute <laughs> if, if we fall on hard times, right? That's a, that's a real fear. Um, a lot of people, I think, in this realm also are simply afraid that if I give up all these like trifling, superfluous things that I enjoy, right, or, or these material things, if I give up a lot of those, um, that I won't be happy, right? That I won't be happy. And we can make our own list that applies to each of us personally. But, but the, Lord, the Lord here asks us to trust Him, right? Elijah tells this widow when he's like, hey, <laughs> I know you're about to die of starvation, but make me this cake and trust in the Lord. He says, don't, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So we can look inside our own hearts and say, what am I afraid of in, in this realm of really giving God everything when it comes to the material resources in my life? The second thing I want to offer to you for reflection is what, is, what does it look like to give God all of our time? Time is one of the most precious resources we have as human beings. What, is it, what does it look like to live totally for God in terms of giving Him all of our time? And I would say it really boils down to the willingness to ask one question pretty much continually throughout our whole life. And that question is to, 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 to frequently look to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with, with this particular block of time in my day? What do you want me to do with this particular block of time? What do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do with my time here? And as soon as we have some indication of what His will is for us, to, to follow it. But I think a lot of us are afraid of asking that question. I know a lot of times I'm afraid of asking that question. I'll get back late at night from somewhere, it's nine o'clock, and I haven't done like, my afternoon mental prayer, right? Whether it was out of something sudden came up or honestly I just shirked it because of something else or things in my schedule got smashed together. I get back at nine o'clock, really tired after a long day and I'm afraid to ask the Lord the question, Lord, what do you want me to do with like the last hour of my day? Because I know what he's gonna tell me is, well, I want you to finish your mental prayer and I don't wanna do that, <laughs> right? I wanna just sit down, read a book or something or do something mindless. So out of, out of fear of the sacrifice involved with really giving all of my time to God, I don't even ask the question. So the, the most important thing in this regard, if you're really going to give all your time to God throughout your life, we have to be willing to ask Him the question many times throughout a day, Lord, what do you want me to do right now? What do you want me to do right now? Some examples of what this might look like. Maybe you're sitting down to Sunday dinner with your family and you really have a desire to have the Chiefs game on sort of in the background as you're eating dinner, right? Maybe there's a fear there that if I ask the Lord, Lord, is this what, is this what you want going on during Sunday dinner? I'm afraid that he'll tell me loud and clear, definitely turn off the Chiefs game so you can focus on your family during, during Sunday dinner. And so, so we don't even ask him that question, right? But that's what somebody who's really in love with God wants to, to live totally for Him with all of their time, right? Another example would be, you know, you sit down to work and you have a to-do list. A lot of us just immediately start doing the things that we find most enjoyable or least painful on our to-do list, rather than taking a moment to, to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do first? How do you want me to spend these first 30 minutes of my work day? 
oftentimes the answer when we come on is just like, well, I want you to do the thing that you like the least first, <laughs> which is usually the thing that's most urgent because we've been pu pushing it down our list, right? Um, a bigger example of what this might look like would be retirement. How many people ask the question, Lord, what do you want me to do with the time that I have once I'm retired? Do you really want me to move to Florida and just play golf every day? Probably not. <laughs> that's just, just a fair warning. That's probably not what God's will is for using your time once you retire. So we have to be willing to ask him the question like, Lord, what do you want me to do in general on a daily basis when I'm retired? What do you want me to do with all this time? Um, how do you want me to, to, to live for you in that regard, right? I think our biggest fear here in giving God all of our time is that we won't enjoy life, that he'll demand that we trim out things that we really find enjoyable. But here's the, here's the secret. Here's the, here's the secret. The Lord, of course, as we know, never leaves unpaid a sacrifice that we make for him. So somebody who is sitting down and doing like, I don't know, filling out spreadsheets because they know that it's the Lord's will for them, whether that's like a personal thing at home or at work, they're filling out spreadsheets and they're, they're doing it with as much love as they can versus somebody who's doing something that they personally enjoy, maybe they're out playing golf, but they know it's not what the Lord wants them to do with that particular time on that particular day. From the outside, it looks like there's no possible way this person filling out spreadsheets could actually be more satisfied and fulfilled than the guy on the golf course. But on the contrary, person who leaves the golf course knowing that it really wasn't the Lord's will that they spend that day there is going to be much more empty inside than the person who puts forth two hours of sweat and tears in a spreadsheet because they know that that's what God wants them to do at that time, right? So, so we, ha we have to be willing to, to see this distinction and to trust the Lord and say, Lord, I trust you that like, if I, if I really do what you want me to do in the next hour, the next three hours, for the next week, that you're, you're going to fill me up with, with joy. I'm going to be fulfilled if I trust you in that. And finally, the, the last thing I want to mention is what it looks like to live completely for God regarding our attention. Regarding our attention. So asking him the question, what do you want me to be doing with this time, is kind of the first half of the battle. The second half of the battle is then to say, okay, now I'm going to throw myself totally into this thing that I know is your will. I'm going to throw myself totally... Because we can, we can be a, a non-cheerful giver, right? Like, I know the Lord's will for me right now is to do this thing, but I'm not going to do it cheerfully. <laughs> I'm not going to put my whole self into it. I'm not going to put all of my love into it, Right? So it's just the first part of the question to know God's will for me in a moment. Then I have to put my whole self into it. All of my love, right? I have to put all of my love in that thing. Some examples of this, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up. We're all going to be visiting with family and friends probably. And I almost guarantee you that all of us have at least some family that we're going to see who we're not really very interested in talking to, right? <laughs> we find them uninteresting. We find them negative. We find them whatever. And so... When we're at a family gathering and we end up in a conversation with one of these people, our temptation in that moment is to not dive head first, right? In, into what God's will. Okay, this person came over to talk to me. So clearly, to some degree, it's God's will that I engage them in conversation. But we do it reluctantly. We do it without cheerfulness. We're constantly on the lookout for how can I get out of this conversation and go talk to somebody else, right? 
And, and we don't throw ourselves into the present moment. We don't, we don't give ourselves totally um, to, to that manifestation of God's will. And I think in the back of our mind, the fear that's present in this is we're afraid that if I talk for 30 minutes to somebody I find uninteresting, and then another person for 30 minutes I find uninteresting, and then another person, that at the end of that hour and a half, I'm gonna be just totally depleted and empty and frustrated, right? But this will only happen if you don't engage those people with love, right? <laughs> if you engage them reluctantly, without really throwing your whole self into it, then at the end of the hour and a half, you're going to feel very empty. <laughs> you're going to feel very exhausted. But if you trust the Lord, say, Lord, you clearly want me to speak to this person right now. I'm going to throw my whole self into it. At the end of that hour and a half, you're going to be more filled up than you, you ever could have guessed. But we don't trust the Lord. Right? We, we don't trust that He will repay us if we throw ourselves fully into these things that we know to be his will. A final example of that, often when I'm preparing homilies, um, I have, you know, at a certain point in the preparation process, I have a strong temptation to kind of flee from just completing the task. You know how you're halfway through a task and you just, it's, it's requiring a lot of effort and energy and you're like, I just want to like flee for a moment to some compensation. I want to turn some music on in the background to make this, to take the bite a little bit out of out of the, the, the difficulty of this task, or I want to take a break for a lot longer than I need a break, you know, we need breaks from tasks, 10, 15 minutes, but I want to take a lot longer break than I need, and, um, and that's, not, that's, not, that's not a way to throw ourselves completely into it, and if, I, if I'm able on occasion to resist that temptation and I finish the task, I complete it, then the fulfillment at the end that the Lord provides is, is really, really rewarding, right? So, so that's another example of throwing ourselves totally into something to complete a difficult, complete a difficult task, to complete a difficult task. So we need to give the Lord everything in our life. We have to trust that He will never leave us empty if we do that. We have to crush our self-reliance so that we rely only on Him to give us what we need. I want to end with a homily from Pope Benedict XVI. It's a, it's a well-known, not a homily, sorry, a quote. <laughs> Just gave you one homily. I'm going to give you another one. Um, a, a quote from uh, a homily of Pope Benedict uh, in this regard. Um, he says, Are we not perhaps all afraid in some way? If we let Christ enter fully into our lives, if we open ourselves totally to Him, are we not afraid that He might take something away from us? Are we not perhaps afraid to give up something significant, something unique, something that makes life so beautiful? No. If we let Christ into our lives, we lose nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing of what makes life free, beautiful, and great. So do not be afraid of Christ. He takes nothing away, and He gives you everything.